Outrageous, wasn't it? And that's what attracted some people to it, you know. Like, it was different from anything else, you know. You get a crowd and you just get up on stage and you play all nice and respectful. Get this crowd and you, you, there's something to look at, a spectacle kind of, you know. That's what made it really, I think. Exactly what you do, exactly what you want. Never give a fuck about nobody. You only care a bit about yourself. Like now, it's, it's too much of a fashion. Punk rock. I'm not a punk rocker. Like, I'd rather be called a hippie. If, if the sort of people that go around now with their SLF badges, Clash badges and Sex Pistol badges think they're punks because they haven't an idea of it. The songs meant something, we meant the way, was, you know, the groups were talking for us. They were getting their opinion across the way we were just fed up with fucking everything. I think the, 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 the most important thing about the whole thing was that it was just a new generation. It was just younger people. Suddenly people had a younger brother. Suddenly people had people who were around all the time who were totally into rock music but who had nothing to do with the rock music that you would listen to for the past 15 years. But suddenly you were buying the enemy after 20 years and, and, you, and, you, and you looked at every page and not one band meant a damn thing to you. That was 76 and 77 when everything else was new when it finally again started on the streets just like it had done with the Rolling Stones in 1964 and 65. The healthiest kick in the backside rock music ever had. Over the past 30 years, pop music has had its phenomena. The 50s had Elvis Presley, the 60s had the hippies, but the 70s will surely go down as the decade which produced anarchy in pop music, punk rock, new wave, call it what you like. Early in 1977, a gentleman by the name of Malcolm McLaren unleashed the most violent, most obnoxious, most exciting thing to hit the music industry for some time. That thing was the Sex Pistols. Almost overnight, only after one television experience, resulting in the sacking of the interviewer because of the Pistols' overt obscene behaviour, a few singles, an album, the Sex Pistols style, became the blueprint for a whole section of youth just waiting to do something exactly different, something exciting something totally outrageous. London, as usual, was the centre of this new culture. Bands with names like The Damned, The Clash, became instantaneously successful. And in this country, an ex-black rock college boy, sensing the new free-for-all atmosphere just around the corner, put on a pair of sunglasses, started the Boomtown Rats. It was no time to be over 21. Like, it started in 76 in London, but that was an elitist thing, you know? It didn't get mass media publicity... Till 77, and 77 was the greatest year ever. Pistols, they were the, the whole thing that set it off because they, they just done mad things. No one else thought of doing half the things they d- thought of doing before. Oh, no one says that's stupid. Who wants to, to go on, on stage wearing clothes like that with chains and 
bondage straps and all, holding their legs and all together. But they just done it because they felt like no, doing it. Yeah. They, they, they had it. I don't give a fuck attitude, and that's what I like. You know, the music wasn't that good, but just to see them on stage and they were saying "fuck you" to the whole system, it was brilliant. There's a message in most punk songs. Like it, it's, it's their thing. Yeah, uh, they. That's what they believe on that certain subject. Each song is kind of. They pleased themselves. Is if they didn't want to play, they didn't play. If they wanted to, they did. He didn't care what no one else thought. I put your finger on there a while ago when you said the Sex Pistols. They didn't really know how good they were. And there's and, and still the three individuals that are alive are, are, are still... They have it in them. It's like it's in their head. And it's just Malcolm McLaren brought them together and made a lot of money out of them. And, and oh, I, don't, I don't think he even realised what he was doing. No, he, he, no, no one realised. He thought by getting this band that looked different... You know the way when, when Mark Bowling got on the stage looking feminine, like a queer... He sold an awful lot because he looked like a queer. Well, McLaren might have had it in his head that these, these look different and they might get on telly and they might make money from records. Yeah, they might sell his clothes. Yeah, they might sell his clothes. But it wasn't had. like, this is the new fashion, this is the new life, because nobody could have controlled it. Nobody could understand Yeah, but I think there was such a, a mass of people waiting for something to happen. At that, yeah, you know, 75 that anyway, then it happened. That wasn't inside McLaren's head. No, like, it was he just, didn't realise It just happened to be there. I mean, when I heard when I heard the Sex Pistols on Radio Luxembourg, I just was bowled over because I was listening to rubbish for years. Yeah. I wasn't listening to anything. Next thing, I just turned Luxembourg on one night, and Johnny Rotten and those were. I said, "This is something." I said. And the thing about it is, that someone like John Lydon, who was definitely, without a doubt, I don't know how that he, I don't know that he was remarkably talented in terms of music or anything, but as a figure, he definitely, he's arguably the number one man in the 1970s in terms of British rock music. And therefore, it was reflected over here as well, because he really was the face. He really, I think, his image was as important as anything else he put across. But obviously, the aggro, the aggression, the whole anarchy thing, the songs from that first album, and some of the finest rock singles of all time. Whatever your definition of a rock single should be, you'll find it. The answer in Anarchy in the UK and God Save the Queen. They're amazing songs. They're brilliant. But at the moment, why? Why were they amazing? Because I don't know what a definition... There is no such thing as a definition of rock, and thank God for that. I would hate to have to come under some definitions when people start giving out about the rock show or something and say, you shouldn't play this, and I say, why? And says, because it's not defined in rock, kind of thing. I couldn't care about that, because there is no definition, right? So the thing about it is, is that it's just... A song like Anarchy in the UK and God Save the Queen, it just had everything it was supposed to have. It evoked the ear. The very fact that God Save the Queen, which was a stupid, dumb lyric song, really funny, was banned from the charts by the Conservative public. It was perfect. It was just, just right. Then it gets to number one. It's just... It's, it's, it's as good as the song. The whole event that surrounded that song was as important as whatever was Satisfaction, as whatever was Sergeant Pepper's, you know, as whatever was White Shade of Pale, whatever, you know, all these things. It was great. But uh, Sid Vicious now. Sid, do you think Sid was a sign of the times, you know, that somebody who was musically talentless... An awful lot of the people that you see around the place, who you spoke about earlier on, with the spiky hair and all the rest, Sid Vicious definitely is the hero. He would seem to be, there's no doubt about it, because he went all the way. He had absolutely no talent whatsoever in terms of playing the bass or anything else like that. He just, he had nothing going for him, really. And yet he was very misguided, and he had a very hard time, and Malcolm McLaren, no matter what he says these days, did not treat him very well. And he was a bit of a fool, basically. But, um... 
He did the old James Dean trick then. He went all the way, literally. He just went the whole way. Although there's a big controversy about the very fact that did he commit suicide or was somebody trying to kill him and did somebody try to kill him in the end? There's a lot of stories about that one too. But generally he was on the downward slide ever since the beginning of the Sex Pistols, frankly. I mean, one of the reasons he was brought into the band was because he just seemed to have the right attitude and look good. He was a bit of an idiot, basically. But um, the whole Sid Vicious cult, I mean, it, it's it's the whole... it's the. It's the core of the whole punk thing, I suppose. I mean, the, all the bad side of the punk thing that you were talking about earlier. And the, with, with his death, I think, an, an awful lot of the music had died, which is no bad thing. An awful lot of the bad side of it had died. The first act I read about, or that seemed to have an effect on me, that I didn't particularly like them at all, was obviously the Sex Pistols. And I didn't, I just couldn't understand that at all. And I remember going to London once, and uh, the manager of Tim Lizzy, Chris O'Donnell, and our personal manager, Frank Murray, took me down to see a film of the guys which was later shown all around and I even thought worse about it you know after seeing that that made things worse so after reading Malcolm McLaren the manager's uh, interview in the News of the World I think it was the News of the World was it? That's right, yeah. things, but he explained that he hyped the whole thing and he would go to the lowest basic common denominator and at the moment as you know he's making sex films for people under 14 year old so I think that kind of sums up my attitude to the whole thing. I, I think they were very well manipulated, but to somebody else, there would be very little difference between them and the who, you know? So it's very hard to get your priorities straight. I could see how when the who came out in 1964, and I liked them, that the guys playing the Glenn Miller numbers would reckon they were the biggest out shirt of all time, which is probably very true. You know, like the, the guitar player never took a solo in his life. The bass player kept it very straight, and the drummer, even though, as people say, he'd done a job that nobody else could do in that particular band, it was rock and roll to us. But to anybody who was playing jazz around Ronnie Scott's and guys who could really play, that was the greatest load of waffle I've heard. You know, they must have obviously felt like that. So we're obviously victims of our generation. Like When we're young, we're more impressionable when we know less. So you can't knock people for liking the Sex Pistols but you can knock me for saying I like them when I don't so if you ask me what I like it's the difference between asking me what people think of them and what I like and what people don't understand when I'm saying what I don't like it's me I'm talking about not a whole generation that likes them or that, that, that's stupid or anything I'm just saying it's like the rebellious thing is there it's just it's not obviously an on the waterfront Marlon Brando sort of attitude but there is a time when everybody wants to be a rebel around you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, and the Sex Pistols fill the bill. I just hope that when the rebels happen, it's much nicer when it's like Left Bank in Paris, when there's a bit of artistic endeavour involved and you're rebelling against a different form of atrophy, uh, atrophy instead of getting involved in just like a load of, you know, really a load of rubbish. Sex Pistols. Kamikaze gang of cat burglars and child prostitutes, they peddled bondage whips and chains to the children of Britain. Sex Pistols. They held the record business to ransom and swindled a million pounds in the process. They stuck a safety pin through Her Majesty's nose and turned the national press into an occupied zone. Sex pistols.
Beatles. They smuggled a great train robber into the top ten and destroyed the myths of their own success. Yes, the kids are f***ed up. See the film that incriminates its audience. The Great Rock and Roll Swindle, starring Sid Vicious, the John Travolta of punk. If everyone has 50 minutes of stardom in them, Sid's watch was running fast. Now his ambition is to haunt the music business. cleaner and walking hairdo. The only notes that mattered to Jones were the ones that came in once. I was only in it for the birds after the show. Paul Cook, an ugly, acrobatic punk from London Shepherd's Bush. He called the Queen a moron. Come on, blow waves. Punt it with trousers. Let's see what his sex pistol is all about. They were never punk, they just acted a part. Most of them probably come, I don't know where he comes from. I'd say he comes from a real snobby background and all that. Yeah. And that goes against being a punk completely. How does it go against being a punk? Because it's supposed to be working class. Why? Why, because you've nothing to rebel about if you, if you come back from a posh background, your parents have got money, you know. There's nothing to rebel about, you've got everything. What are you rebelling against? I've got fuck all, I've got to walk. Get up every morning and go out. Sure, everybody has to do that. I know, but I don't want to. I don't. I don't walk. I can't get a job, that's the thing. I wouldn't mind working. I mean, I need the money. It's about the thing that would... It's the only thing that would keep me working. But no, no, give me a job. And they look at me. Are all of you anti-work, anyway? No, I don't, no not really, because I work on the weekends and there's a lounge girl, you know? And they don't mind the way you go and dress, you know? You accept shit, but it gives you a funny look, you know? You know, people you get better tips, you know, going around like that, you know, they say, come here, you know, that's the other thing, they give you another tip, you know. But I don't mind walking at all, you know, as long as I get the money. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that you might quite soon become antiques, you know, that you're going, if you stay the way you are now, that everything will have passed you by very soon? No, not really, you just keep just doing what you want then. Because there's no point in just changing because everyone else does. Cause then you're not being a punk, you're just doing... Oh, your man over there is stressing different, oil change, because he is. You don't do that. The way most of us look at it, it's once a punk, always a punk. I think that anyway. Yeah, that's true. No, it's the... Provide enjoyment, something I like to do. And I'd like to have, you know... I always like a group to have a bit of aggression in it. And that's what... There's a bit of life in it. As a cultural thing, I think... I mean, you could take the mods and rockers on, on Brighton Beach from the 63, 64 age and you bring it right up through the whole rhythm and blues scene, you go right up through the rock scene, then the glitter scene. It's there, it's a big one, all right, there's no doubt about it. But I think it just meant for a lot of people between the ages of about 15 and 19, it was just a change. It just meant that you could listen to rock music, it was totally there, but it was totally your own. It wasn't just almost a rebellion, in fact, against your parents, it was almost a rebellion again against your older brother. It's a group of people who used to follow the sex pistols about were mainly middle class. But nobody really minded that, you know? Because uh, the same things that the pistols sang about apply to us and them. It's just that 
there was a, the whole thing was sort of anti. There was the unemployment was so high, you know. I didn't have a job at that time. For a while, I was unemployed for a few months. And uh, we were just reacting against everything. The police were really on everybody's tails. The National Front were erupting. There was just so much crap going down in 1977. It had to be something like punk. In Dublin, two years ago, if you went to a gig, you could be with three or four hundred people, the same as you, without any violence, of course, because violence was non-existent at that time. People went primitive like they are now. But uh, then there was a good feel about people here. People cared. And when they went to a gig, they went to see a band and to dance and to get drunk and enjoy themselves, but not now. Now it's a, it's a fashion. It's very easy to be a punk. I think now, not then, the way it is now, people dress the same. Because even at that time, everybody wasn't wearing bondage trousers. Now everybody wears bondage trousers. I mean, two years ago on King's Road, people were wearing bondage trousers. But Ireland is only catching on now. At that time, you didn't have to look like a punk rocker. You only had to care about the music, go to a gig. And if you were at that gig, that proved that you cared about something. You know what you were listening to. It was, it was an escape. Rather than sitting at home every day or going to work every day, it was just a form of entertainment, really. Not now. Now it's a life. Like, I mean, even then it was a life. Your whole life was, was that. But not... Like, I don't believe in the whole ideals of I am an anti oh, antichrist, anarchy in the UK, believing in anarchy and that. I think, I think nobody understood it, except for the people that were preaching it. Maybe it's different now because people are more intelligent about it. It's been able to... To just, to just listen to something that you like and not be questioned because it's it's new or it's old. Just to be able to to like what you like. I, I could you could talk about songs like No Future from the Sex Pistols. Well, it, it seems it seems to be shining through every day. It seems more more important now. But songs like Anarchy in the UK don't mean anything now. Because, I mean, Jesus, there's never going to be any sort of anarchy in Britain or in Ireland. People are too, too afraid of systems. I don't live by a system. I live my, my way away from people. I don't mix with people. I don't like people. People are too into themselves to care about other people. I think it was also like the meaninglessness of the music at the time, like the Eagles, Desperados, Waiting for the Train and things like that weren't exactly very socially relevant comments, you know. And uh, I think people, the younger people coming up, felt they had something to say and things still hadn't changed since 1969 and they felt that they should try and change things again in our try again. It's hard to pinpoint it down to one thing. I think that the kind of cliché, which is now cliché, no future aspect of it, was very important, like the fact that people were coming out of school in droves, uh, just like literally there was no future for them, no possibility of jobs, just straight onto the dole, this whole thing. Um, and like the fact that f- the media was publicising for the first time ever the amount of corruption in government, and you just couldn't believe anyone in government in England or in America. You were like, seeing guys who were actually, for instance, we had an arms trial over here, so a minister who's tried for gun running, 
few years later becomes a prime minister, that kind of thing, just people started to totally disbelieve in anything that anyone said. And the no future aspect was literally just an angry shout. That was about it, you know, for a couple of years. But One of the bands, for me anyway, that was important, and this is outside the country, was in England, was The Clash. They were saying like very angry things about what was going on socially. And uh, that was personally what influenced me. Because I, I thought, I felt those angry things, and I had done for years. And uh, I didn't f- find any way of saying them, but now there was an actually a way of doing it uh, through music or, you know, through the whole punk movement at the time. Like the Clash and all these guys tried to be heavy. They were all playing Led Zeppelin numbers before they decided they were going to be something else. They are, they're all Who bands, Led, Led Zeppelin bands. And most of these bands that make it, for some reason or other, Jerry, don't have soloists as such in the band. Like, there's no way you're going to get guitar solos. There's no way you're going to get these things. So they're basically Who bands, which means they have a, live, a good live act. And they copy the Who attitude, which is like, sing about the streets, like, that's my girl, and you're with my girl, and my girl's not coming with me anymore, or else, like, I'm on the dole, or else he's out on the street, or the kids are going to be all, all right, ultimately. I think it's a, it's a good idea, you know, I could never do it myself, so I can't, I could never take it seriously, you know, but I can see how the girls like the idea of it, and I can see how the boys, a lot of guys like the idea. But to me, it's the who concept, they were the first, were the, the my generation, Attitude, and I see that in all the bands that appear to be slightly new wave or appear to be left to centre, that they use that kind of who attitude, get out there, a few smoke bombs, jump up in the air, and the kids in the street are going to be all all right. I think the clash are absolute rubbish. I think they're, they're just, it's, it's third grade rock yeah, and roll, you know. Isn't it very funny how if a band become anyway sophisticated, they lose their following? Well, the industry. Because in the in, the on industry. the street, the people that were there at the start, they think the band is selling out if, if the band suddenly becomes... No, but it's like, it's like Mark, said, Mark Smith said. If you're hungry, you'll make good music. You look at the fall. The fall, are, the fall are hungry still. Yeah. And they're one of the best bands. I think they'll starve in the end of fall, they'll probably. Starve, yeah. Even like all the other young bands. I think the Mekongs are a great band as well. They're, 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 they're hungry. It's, it's, like, it's a hunger for everything, knowledge. It's like... The one thing that impressed me, though, about the whole new wave thing was it's easy to sort of be passive about everything. Sit down, accept everything, accept the daily paper, turn on the television at night. You're sitting on your behind the whole time. Then you make this big jump to become an active person, a creative person, start working on a creative level, and that's what the whole new wave thing was. It's people becoming artists. any other musical phenomena had more to it than just the music. Commercial enterprise, as usual, reared its ugly head, this time in the form of bondage trousers, safety pin jackets and chain mail vests. Such was new wave fashion. I think when the middle class got into it and they started making the bread, selling those poxy bondage trousers on the King's Road, I used to buy suits, second-hand suits, off dead men for two quid, you know? Dr Martins, an army jacket, uh, spiky hair, pair of shades, sunglasses, 
and I used to, I was working in a tyre factory for a while and they had these black ma masks around the mouth and nose, I wore one of those, you know, it made me look like a terrorist, I, um, I want attention, mainly that, I always like a big crowd around me, you know, I can't stand being on my own, punk just says, I want to be me. I think originally the, the the kids and that were buying the buying the clothes secondhand, making them. Later on, you know, you, you can buy a full punk kit for about sixty quid. You know, you can, yeah. people are still buying then them. People don't realise. I dress really well. I mean, smart, and I wear suits. But the most I ever pay is three pound for a suit, and it's not because uh, <coughs> uh, I haven't got the money or I have got the money. It's because. Why should I go into a shop and buy something for £20? And I know if you look in markets, you'll get them for £3 or £4. I blame the fools that pay the prices and pay £30 for a pair of bondage trousers or £30 for a short. And, like, there's no need for it in Dublin. It, like, it is now. It's a big fashion thing. Like I said to you, people here, like, are into the new fashion of being a punk rocker. People weren't conscious of a fashion developing with them. It was there. And just because people were grouping together, there was other people, maybe a few people looked on and seen the fashion. And See, then the it developed the fashion. The environment isn't very good here for, for, for the new music. For many reasons. Like you, You've just got one, news, one music paper that's rock-orientated. Um, most of the, the venues just have traditional rock and roll bands on um, there's no sort of art school culture here either which help, w w does help um, in general apathy you know and the laziness of people you know because there's so much interesting music available and people yeah. just don't think, want it I think that's why even now with the people that are dressing like mods they're people that couldn't relate to old punk rock or the new punk rock, jeez, I shouldn't even have said, just the, the new music then. They couldn't relate to that. And with, with being a mod, you don't have to know anything about music because bands like Secret Affair, like, they're so laid back, you can't like music to, to say you're a mod because of the music. It's a fashion thing, and you look really pretty wearing a parker. I'm still in school. And you go to school dressed up as a punk. <laughs> no, it's a uniform we used to wear, you know, but I'm rarely in school, so it makes no difference. <laughs> so does that mean that you can only be a punk at the weekend? No. No, it doesn't. No, you go into school, and right, you have your weird pointed shoes on, you have your hair still dyed, you know, and, you, you know, you, you go in, you're, you're in the state, you know, in your uniform, and everybody just takes you that way, you know. So the minute you come home, get this thing up, you know, <laughs> and you put on your clothes, you know. Does that not go against, you know, what being a punk was all about? Sort of being completely individual. It does, yeah. But you have to take it that way, you know. That's the way it comes. I was expelled for being a punk. Yeah. Because I didn't conform. I wore my skirts too short and all this shit, yeah. you know. Okay, what about the way that everybody's dressed? Because everybody's got reasonably unusual clothes on and reasonably unusual hairstyles <laughs> and makeup. <laughs> what's, what's, what's the reason for that? Oh, I don't know. Doing your own thing. Yeah. It's cold, isn't it? Watching people look at you. It is. It's you amazing. Know, These kids go, Mommy, what's that? You know, I was crying half the It's really great, though, when people staring at you. Then you stare back and they go, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you go red, you know? Yeah. Hey, you've all got a bunch. Typical. <laughs> the state of it.
Do you think a lot of people that like to dress up the way you do, but yeah. that they're not yeah, able to? Yeah, I think everybody's got it in them. They, they want to dress up and they want to be different, but a lot of people just say, oh, go with the crowd and be normal, be with society, you know, just go with the crowd. You have to, if you want to be accepted, just go with the crowd, you know. Oh, what will my mother say, you know, yeah. this kind of thing. My parents will throw me out and... Yeah, they're worried about... I'll be an outcast, all this kind of thing, but... Yeah. Are your clothes meant to be aggressive or are they just meant to be... What do you outrageous? think? <laughs> yeah, like, are, are you meant to be aggressive looking or are you meant no, to be outrageous? We wear what we want. We wear what we, we want. We don't follow fashion. That's no, everybody thinks, everybody thinks that punks cause trouble and all, yeah. but they don't. It's all the skins in the mud. They start <laughs> We're innocent. Then the punks have to go at them because they... Stare when they do. They think we're aggressive by looking at us, you know, weird makeup and all. But mm. we're, not, we're, we're very pee. We're hippies. We're yeah. hippies. <laughs> I'm pee's lying. It's ridiculous. Just the way we, you know, we dress. It was kind of an yeah. anti fashion style of living for a while. Um, it became fashionable then, like once the Cosmopolitan magazine started to have models in leather jackets and things, then it became uncool to wear a leather jacket. But it was it was a whole style of... Or people believed that they could do something, I think, change things. And by going around in kind of ludicrous clothes, which they were, uh, you were, you had the shock value of like the old ladies walking down Grafton Street or wherever, seeing people with pink hair and chains around their... Like, from the ear to the mouth and all this kind of stuff had good shock value and they felt that they were making a positive statement walking around dressed like that. Both movements have collapsed. I think uh, basically the reason they, they end up collapsing is because you spend, like, you have a lot of energy for the movement, be it the hippie era of the 60s or the punk movement now. Um, you have a lot of energy for it in the beginning and you think you're going to change loads of things. But over the period of, like, two years or three years, or whatever, being hassled by police and, like, if you're a kid at home being thrown out of school, out of, out of your house, all this kind of stuff, you just get tired of it and uh, you lose the energy that you had in the beginning and you begin to realise you're fighting a losing battle. And I think it's, like, generally speaking, it's... It's dead uh, as a musical form. It's dead anyway. Uh, in, it's it's living on in like as you say in certain pockets in Cork and, and Belfast particularly. I think Belfast because they have a lot more to be angry about still mm. and a lot more things to say because of the pressures they're under. Uh, then like there's one way to say it is in a band up there. Um, but as far as the overall music scene is, it's gone and it sounds terrible when I listen to some of the stuff, even the stuff that we recorded. You know, it sounds terrible now. It's sad and I don't think that even like the 60s movement I think it lasted longer and in a way I think the media is strongly involved here because the like the movements are so much faster in the 60s it lasted almost 10 years and then you had the punk thing which lasted about 2 years the ska thing which lasted even shorter about 18 months and I think it's because the uh, like in Ireland for example we've got now RTE2 television and radio which is showing music on TV and we're listening to it and we're getting so much exposure that the entire country is blasted with ska for three months, six months or whatever, gets tired of it, then the new thing comes on, they're blasted with that. So the thing doesn't have a chance to uh, grow in a big kind of underground format like it did in the 60s. It just, like, immediately the, the people who are interested in money, like record companies, hop on it and sell it quick, and it, it just takes the energy out of the whole thing. It's sad in ways that it's come to an end because I think, like, it was 
a valuable thing to say, but it's uh, it's also sad that it got commercialised and you know it became magazine cool to be a punk and uh, you know it was trendy nightclub punks and all this kind of stuff. That was the saddest part of the whole thing. Um, and also, it's good that it's moving on. Like you say, it's good to be able to move on to something new. But there's not, there isn't definitely the amount of energy in any bands at the moment, or in the whole music scene at the moment, uh, as there was in in '76, '77. And I don't think there will be again for a few years. No, it's not dead. Not as long as there's still punks going around. It's not dead. The music isn't as strong as it was, but there's still enough following. This is like 1959 now. You had 54 and rock and roll started. 59, it was dying and it was hit by the B, the new beat sound. And after that <coughs> came soul, uh, the mod sounds, and then we came into glam rock. And glam rock was very important in the 70s. And it died then. Like, it could take another 50 years for music to die now because from the new wave thing, you're getting my own personal favourite sound Rockabilly is getting more popular the Blitz sound with, with brilliant bands like Bellhouse uh, it's all developing and it's all breaking away I, I tell you where I tell you where it always goes wrong uh, say last year people like RTE had, had well known about these new young bands and they went out in Donnybrook and said Hey, do you know a band that we can put on the show? And right away, it was the more cabaret new wave bands that went straight onto RTE. Same in the hot press. They didn't ask people that, that go to every sort of band. Do you not think then something like The Rock Show on Radio 2 reflects what's <laughs> musically happening? No, not, not at all. You and Dave Fanning's? No, I don't think so. Dave Fanning, he doesn't know what he's playing. I don't think he cares. I think that's the worst thing. He doesn't care what he's playing. I think if he has a record that he can say, this is very new, he's very happy at that, just at that, because he played it. I don't think he cares very much about actually what's happening on, on the disc. You've got to remember that the whole punk thing is gone now. It's totally dead. I mean, we are definitely, for the past two years, living in the post-punk era, and I'm not sure if that's for the better or for the worse. There's an awful lot of music that is around now that's actually very popular, which deserves to be popular, from electronic to ska, which never really made it before, and it's great to see all that. It's branching out in so many different directions at the moment that it's great that there's no one main trend. Uh, should parents have been afraid of the punk phenomenon and the new wave phenomenon? Well, Jerry, I have a BA in philosophy and English. I have a higher diploma in education, but I did not study sociology, so it's a very difficult question to answer. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think any, any more than anything else. Absolutely. I mean, if you saw the movie about the clash, your man Ray Gange, who was the main guy in the movie, I mean, he is the epitome of the blank generation. If you had a son like that from the beginning, forget it anyway. You never stood a chance. The guy deserves everything he got. He was just... But like that just doesn't really happen. I mean, it wasn't like that. No, I don't think there's any need to be afraid. There's much more need to be afraid of politicians, I think, around at the moment. There's much more need to be afraid of what drink is doing in this country at the moment. And there's much more need to be afraid of the recession as well. I don't think it really hit this country as big as the mods did. Like, a mod was presentable. You know, his hair was nice and slick. You know, he could go to mass in that outfit. There's no way a punk really could do the same thing. So I don't think the punk thing ever really caught on as big as the mods. The mods were, for the want of a better word, monstrous. That really caught on because, first of all, the shops were making money selling the gear, you know. It was acceptable right across the board. It was the punk thing, you know. 
and all you have to do is go down to mother care or whatever and get your safety pins and there wasn't much more to it. <laughs> but to quote Frankie Bunn from the very famous Jacobs programme, today's rebels are tomorrow's conformists and at some stage they'll get into money and they'll realise the value of money and unfortunately it's when people realise the value of money that they tend to change. It's when they don't realise the value of money that they don't want to know. They say they don't want to know about uh, this, that and the other. But as soon as they get a job and as soon as they have a few pounds coming in, they suddenly want to go on holidays to the Canary Islands and all, you know, instead of heading for the Mickey Mouse gigs around town. And funny enough, like all the people that I knew around 68, which is a long time ago, they're definitely not rebels now, like most of them are definitely working. I see guys in the buses, I see them all over the place, but they're obviously gone. And the generation of the teddy boys around 1960, who were supposed to be the worst thing ever, like they were supposed to you know, stabbing each other and all this, they're the fathers and mothers of the punks around at the moment. And they just have to deal with them the same way. You know, it's like it's just the circle goes around. I, I couldn't give anybody any information or any advice on how to do it because everybody's got to find their own thing, you know. <laughs> Is punk dead? Did it ever mean anything? Probably those questions are best answered by the men who started it all. The Sex Pistols, when asked those very same questions, replied that it was as meaningless as asking who killed Bambi. Anyway, only time will tell what legacy, if any, punk has left us. During this programme, we talked to Brian Fries of Berlin, Dave Fanning of RTE Radio 2's Rock Show, Dave Clifford of Vox Magazine, Reb, Brush Shields and many others. The final word is left to those who either have short memories or never knew in the first place. What do you, what do you think of punk rockers? Oh, I love them. Pardon? I love an old rock now and again. Of course I do. What do you think of punk rockers, madam? No, I have no time for this child. I don't listen to it. Punk rockers. What do you think of punk rockers? I can't remember them. Tell you the truth. I had a few this morning. What do you think of punk rockers? I hear. Excuse me, madam, what do you think of punk rockers and punk rock? I don't understand it. You, you wouldn't listen to it, no? No, it's too noisy. This is the story of Johnny Rock. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.